Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome back to Thoughts from the Shade. On this episode, we start with some golf talk, as a career low round was carded just this past weekend. I get critiqued on recent wedding attire, Bomb discusses his vacation, and we touch on the Sea Isle bar scene and Shoregate Golf Club. We dive into our continued coverage of the Eagles preseason and the up-and-down ride that is the Phillies' chase for a playoff spot. We round it out with a look ahead to next week as college football creeps ever so close. As always, this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Shamrock Sun. Summer's not over yet. Labor Day is just a few weeks away, and tailgating season is right around the corner. There's nothing worse than standing under that beaming September sun on a blacktop in Jetro without any sunscreen. That's why you need to head over to shamrocksun.com and order up a big-ass bottle of their 50 SPF sunscreen. Use promo code SHADE in all caps for 10% off. Now without further ado, here's episode 4. All right, well, I guess we're back. Bomb's back. Episode four, Thoughts in the Shade. Bomb's hammer and ice cream. Just got back from Golf Tech, right? Back from Golf Tech, but that's not the, that's not the golf story we need to lead with. You don't think? No, I think we need to lead with the miracle in Montgomery County. The miracle in Monco. Fill us all in. Yeah, so I, I filled you in a little... A little late last night. I uh, had a busy weekend running around. Went to a wedding in the city in the city Saturday night. Got all sorts of banged up. Fell asleep in my suit. Woke up around 5:30 a.m. to change out of my suit and get some more beauty sleep. And get which, ready by the for- way, before before we move on from you changing out of the suit, I'm glad you at least wore it to bed because that thing looked like a freaking sleeping bag on you. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you know where you do you know to go up to like Ventresca up here in Doylestown and get something that fits? Yeah. Well, luckily, uh, the next wedding I go to, I'm in it. So I got fitted at a men's warehouse this weekend for that one. So I'll be looking a little more spiffy, uh, a little more clean cut uh, for that one. But yeah, that was that was the feedback I got on, on that photo. I thought it looked half decent until I saw the, the sleeve of my jacket running, running over my fist. <laughs> It's all all good. Yeah, woke up Sunday morning. You know, the storms were rolling through the area. Didn't know if we were going to get it in. We had a 6 a.m. email from from Lulu Country Club saying that the course will be reevaluated at 10 a.m. We had 11.50 on the sheet, and around 10.30, they let us know that we were were in for walking only. So the boys and I trekked it over to Limekiln Pike. And strapped our bags on our backs and went to work. You know, it's funny. My my boy from, well, he's from here, but lives in Arizona. And he comes in a couple times a year, get to play with him. It's great. He was there and he had me, he saw me uh, previous weekend over at Huntington Valley and shot a disastrous 104. Uh, we lost a ton of money. Uh, I was ready to quit the game. I had a tea time for the next day and almost bailed 
on somebody else. It was just that discouraging because I honestly wasn't having fun. And I know I wasn't being fun to play with, which that's like a big thing. Like when you're a bum, if you, if you can't be good, be good to play with. Right. So I wasn't even doing that and I was ready to, uh, to chalk it, but you know, we put some work in throughout the week and hit the ball at the range. Like I probably never have before, uh, last Wednesday, with my old boy Juice, he had me working, just simplifying the takeaway, the backswing, and swinging free. And we went out on, on Sunday and walked through a sloppy course and, and shot an 80. Could have been a 79. I, I don't want to be greedy. Uh, as a guy that shot over 100, like the last three rounds, I, I can't be greedy. But we fired off the uh, 9 over 8-0. And it was like nothing that's ever happened to me before. So I don't know if what, what kind of level of detail you want to hear about the round, but it was certainly, certainly a sigh of relief because earlier in the year, I had broken into the eighties, 84, 85, 88. And then that was back in like June. And then the last few weeks has just been complete disaster. I couldn't find the center of the club face if it smacked me upside the head, but uh, we did it on. We did it yesterday. <laughs> we did it. We did it on Sunday and made a couple putts. And I don't know. It was just just steady as she goes. No no disasters. We got a little luck from the course. I had like two shots that were tracking slightly OB, and the trees of Lulu Country Club kept me in play. So it was all good. So what's going through your head on what? 16 17 18 i mean what what did you need to break 79 what did you what did you shoot i mean what was going through your head walking those three holes yeah so i guess i got through 15 with a par and i guess i was seven over through 15 and i keep the score on my phone like on the on the the gin app hole by hole and i made a four on 16 made a par there nice up and down after a slightly missed green and when i put that when i put that four in there i saw i was at 69 plus seven and i just it, it definitely got to me a little bit and i was like i just need to make one par and one bit let's just let's just make one par and the rest will take care of itself hit a good drive on 17 which is a longer uphill par five it's a shocker yeah yeah i haven't done that much Hit the fairway. Second shot was flirting with the right side. Five iron, but it stayed in. And then I was up against the fence, but had enough room to to get up up to it and hit like a low stinger seven iron from about 155 up to the green. But even even with it being wet, I mean, the course took the water pretty well and it, it rolled out uh, into the back trap. So got it out, oh. two, two putt six. And then... Uh, 18, I was at 75 going into 18. And 18 is kind of a tougher, tougher hole over there. And the the, the black tees were all the way back. Um, but hit a good drive. Dead center of the fairway. And I had, I think I had 170 to the stick and had a six iron in my hand. Stood over it, stepped off. I stepped off. It was the first thing I stepped off all day. And I chunked it naturally to about 
80 yards or so. And then that shot I left like just short. It was a front pin and I was on the fringe. So I probably had about 15, 20 feet, pretty straight up the hill for, for the four. And I left it two inches from the cup, tapped in for, for five and shot 80. I was, so I kept, you left, you left a putt for 79, two inches short. I don't know. It was short. It was, it wasn't short. It was, it was two inches to the right of the cup. It, the speed was fine. Um, so you, you stepped off in the fair, you hit a ball down the middle of the fairway. You grabbed six. You're looking what? 170? Yeah. One, it was like, I think it was 170, 175. And you're ripping six out and you're stepping off. Yeah. I had to step off, man. I just, you know, when you stand over a ball and you don't feel good and then you hit it. And then you're like, I should have stepped off. So I stepped off. Still didn't hit it well. I mean, that didn't solve the, the issue. That but step I, off saved me five grand. <laughs> it, uh, you know, I had to try to gather myself and at least feel comfortable standing over the ball. So we gave it our best crack. Again, can't be greedy because I'm a certified bum out there usually. Uh, but I had a three putt on number 10 from about 12 or 15 feet, turned a birdie into a bogey. So I think that was probably the uh, what lost me the, the 70s right there. But can't complain. I, and I, I tried not to tell any of the guys I was playing with because I feel like that's the worst thing that you can do, like in the middle of the round. Like I knew I was going good because usually, I usually get through the first seven holes and I'm plus double digits. And then I kind of get it together the rest of the way. Now, did those guys know you were going good? Because, you know, with you stepping off on 18, chunking a ball, possibly throwing a club into a bag, you know, with, were, as, many with as many times as those guys have played with you, they probably would have turned around and said, what's wrong, G? Not going to be able to break 100 now? <laughs> <laughs> no, there was, there was no club throwing yesterday. It was, I don't know, it was just smooth. I was relaxed. I was also hung over as balls. I mean, I must have drank enough Stella to kill a horse on Saturday night. But, you know, I guess getting out in this this muggy weather and walking and carrying the bag and sweating it out just got me loose. Because if I, if I didn't play golf yesterday, I would have been wallowing in the, in the post-drunken anxiety. So it was, it was a good day all around. I got to say, I was personally stunned to hear about the miracle in Montgomery County, particularly after seeing the photo of you in the suit. You know, I, there's no way a guy that wears a baggy suit like that breaks 80. So um, at least that 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 theory still holds up. I think the hardest part about talking about this right now is that the suit was brought up. I think I thought I looked pretty good in the suit. I probably should have went sans jacket for the picture. But, but we'll blame that on, on my significant other, I guess. I'll just say this. I showed the photo to multiple people, and they said, wow, he lost a lot of weight. That's it. That's <laughs> it. You know, it's COVID and not a lot of weddings, not a lot of, you know, work or suit situations. And I'm, I'm staying fit, staying tight, and I guess, you know, slimmer than, than 18 months ago. And I haven't gotten fitted, so that one's on me. I'll take it on the chin. Certainly was was. Well, I, just, I just want to say, like, I, I rebutted that excuse for everyone. I said he hasn't lost weight, and in fact, the suit jacket that he was rocking. When you look at those arms, it looks like 
Jordan's arm dunking the ball in Space Jam to beat the Monstars. I mean, that <laughs> that freaking arm. I mean, what the hell? I, I don't even. I didn't even know they made jackets with arms that big. I'm just really looking forward to to when we clip uh, the commentary on this, and then you you tag the picture on there and really <laughs> put me on blast for 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 everybody to see. But that's what we're here for, you know. I'm happy to take it on the chin because I went out there yesterday and had the day of my life on the golf course. So I'll wear that friggin' jacket for the rest of my life if if I'm gonna wake up and play that kind of golf. I'll I'll, I'll swim in a in a suit jacket for that. <laughs> that jacket may be more meaningful to you as it relates to golf than like the freaking Green Masters jacket. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should retire it, frame it. Who knows? But yeah, that 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 was it, man. Also, I wake up this morning. I guess when you when you shoot 24 strokes different in a week, the the handicap process gives you some sort of exceptional score, so it lo- lowers the differential even more. So my handicap shot down by over two strokes this morning. But the good news is is that you're trying to catch me with all your golf tech work. You said on episode one or two that you're going to surpass me after golf tech, but I'm shooting down, man. So you got, you got work to do. Well, I mean, I had one lesson at golf tech. I had the second one today, which by the way, was delightful and got a lot of good work in. And, uh, as you know, I've been working hard with coach Tyler and, uh, talked quite a bit about your round yesterday with my coach. And I said, look, uh, the guy I play against, G, fired off an 80. We went through your scorecard, and he said, those putts aren't sustainable. Um, need to hit more greens. And I'm giving you free, free advice here, okay? He hasn't seen me putt. Tyler hasn't so, seen uh, me putt. So he asked the question. He said, look, you know, he said, we'll get you there sooner rather than later. But is your, is your cousin, is your friend, is he a good guy? Is he a good guy to play with? I said, no, he's a prick. <laughs> and he said, fuck him. That's what he said. He literally wow. said that. And I said, you know what? This is why I pay $3,000 to come in and have my coach trash talk the guy who just fired off an 80 the other day. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm getting it from Golf Tech. You think Golf Tech would have bigger things on their mind than a, than a double-digit handicap, but here I am. No, sir. Golf Tech, target on my back. I'll take it. I'll take my, my self-taught and uh, working with my boy Juice. Which I need to keep him local now because he's got me hitting it good. Can't send him back to Enemy of the tech. Enemy of the tech. Here I am. Enemy number one, I guess. So you're back from vacation. Um, You spent your last week at the shore. You know, I got got it done on episode three without you. We did miss you, though. Oliver was looking for you. But you're down the shore, Seattle City, New Jersey. What's going on down there? How was the trip? Are you are you rejuvenated? I mean, we're we're two episodes in, and you're you're taking vacation on me. I'm I'm a little concerned. I'm rejuvenated. You know, spent a lot of time at the beach, both the tour gate and the actual beach. Um, but uh, no, good good to uh, good to obviously be back. Vacation was great. Yeah, not, nothing bad to say except for the bars. What's yeah, going on at the bars? When, when is the last time you've been out down the shore? I was down mid July. Did a did a couple couple tours at is it O'Donnell's Poorhouse with like that that turf sure. outside now and then uh, 
I didn't go to the OD. I was in La Costa briefly. I was in the dog a little bit. I was at Kicks Outdoor Bar. That's that's a personal favorite. So yeah, I was out. I was out there last month, and I'll I'll be back uh, the week of Labor Day. Well, you know, I got to tell you, I walk out out of the house with a fifty dollar bill in the wallet, thinking it's going to last you the whole night. Two bucks for the what gym. Were go- Tem- what, were, what were you going out for? Like an hour? Well, you know, I was going to go out for a couple pops. I wasn't, you know, I had a, I had a big. This is Friday night I, or Saturday night, excuse me. I had a big tea time Sunday morning at Shoregate. Okay. So just going out there to mix it up, be with the people, you know, pay my respects. And, uh, you know, you get popped at the JIT, which is fine, two bucks. You get popped at the door for 10. You buy a drink, uh, a beer, and a seltzer. And it was like 11.50. Then you got a tip. I mean, at the end of the night, you don't even have enough money for a slice of pizza and a ride home. Yeah, you probably got, what, two, two, two rounds of drinks and, and a ride up and down the island for your 50 bucks? Yep. And, and the cover, I guess. Yep. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I was stunned. I was like, wow. I mean, I get COVID. I get that whole thing. And I actually talked to the guy who works there, and he said, look, here's the deal. We don't need washed up stiffs like you in in your 30s. We can charge whatever we want because there's two summers of 21-year-olds who have never been out down the shore. You know, one last year due to COVID, one this year that just turned 21. He's like, we'll just take their money. Like, you know, we don't care about you. Yeah, well, most of those uh, most of those those youngins are probably probably working with working with daddy's debit card, just swiping away. Well, they don't swipe. You got to remember, daddy's debit. They run they run right in and they make a they make an immediate left right to the ATM. Four ninety nine uh, surcharge. Four ninety nine surcharge. Dad is getting popped for that. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah, spend it if you have it. I guess right. Yeah, it is a little tough. Cause we went to Kicks. Oh, we've been, we hit Orhouse a couple times too. Uh, that place is cool. They got a nice outdoor setup. But uh, even going to Kicks, like you know, my my folks, they're older. They like to go there for happy hour and whatnot. And usually the the deals are pretty good. But I think even just for for like the silver bullets, like the sixteen ounce aluminum bottles, they were getting us for maybe six seven a pop, which I feel like is a little steeper than 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 most years. Here's the thing. Here's 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 the my, my viewpoint on the 16 ounce beers. You could charge me anything, literally charge me anything, because in my mind I'll rationalize it and say, well, actually it's like 1.3 beers. You know what I mean? It's just when you get popped for 650 or 550 or whatever it is for a 12 ounce, or that's that's where I start thinking quite a bit about you know, the price. It's highway robbery, but Lenny's got to get that cash, man. You missed the whole summer. Rake it in, baby. Rake it in. <laughs> so how'd you make out at Shoregate? I know we uh, we kind of got off of golf a little bit, but let's let's hear a little bit more about Shoregate because it is just off the island there, and I haven't played there before. Well, if you ever want to move your handicap the other direction, <laughs> go play there because uh, there's sand everywhere. Um, there's water um there there's literally and here's the thing with Shoregate is no matter what club you pull out of the bag you know whether it be in the fairway in the rough on the tee box there's a hazard somewhere in a landing area that for whatever club you decide to select so let's say you got you know buck 70 in you're in the fairway there's a hazard front left there's a hazard front right front right there's a hazard deep right 
deep left. And oh, by the way, you know, you absolutely hit a freaking hazel rocket. There's water. I mean, I've just never seen a course. So it's almost, it's like, it's like they built a championship level course and layout. And then they were just like, all right, like, let's just stop keeping up with it. And let's just start popping like weekend hacks for like a buck 30 and see how miserable they are. That was the most miserable round I've, I've had in quite some time. That hurts. But it sounds like you got your money's worth. One thirty pop on the weekend, you probably got a buck a stroke, right? Yeah, I think I actually think it might have been one ten. You know, you factor in the dog, the couple beers. Yeah, I shot a one oh seven. So yeah, you're right, about a dollar a swing. And I don't think there's anybody who can find a more efficient, you know, use of their money down at Shoregate than me. I mean, I got I got my money's worth. But uh, yeah, no, of course. I mean, look, here's the deal. It's I mean, good work out of you. It's it's right off the island. It's super convenient. You know, it's good to get out there. Um, the other thing that was that was crazy, they got about two inches of rain the night before. So the whole, entire course was cart path only. And I looked down at my phone. I had like 15,000 steps by the time the thing was over. There we go. I mean, it was just, uh, well, yeah, there you go. When you're, when you're walking that much and you're swinging 110 times, I mean, you know, naturally you run out of juice there. But um, we tough. found a way to rally. We found a way to rally. We made it over to, to uh, the Ludlam. You know, the new beach bar at the Ludlam, a.k.a. La Costa. And we had a delightful time there. Tried a couple of the uh, new Sea Isle iced teas. I mean, they were they were phenomenal. And uh, hung out with our, our good friend, Rich Summers. So, uh, you know, all in all, a delightful experience. I mean, he obviously could have played better, but conditions, everything else, uh, you know, we hung in there and, and we made it to the bar. Well, that's what it's all about down there. Getting a good round in, you know, sweating it out hacking away and then just just being a guy with the boys and whatever you shoot you shoot but you have you have some laughs you have some drinks and then you know you you go to the bar and drink until you forget about it so it sounds like you had a good time that's it what else you got i guess we can kind of talk uh birds right preseason yeah so let's let's talk a little birds i mean i i laid down on my couch thursday evening uh you know, was ready to to see basically the dress rehearsal game, right? I guess now that it's a a three game preseason schedule, you'd figured game two would be like the dress rehearsal starters playing for probably all the first half. And you know, I'm working and eating dinner and not looking for updates or anything before the game. I just lay down on the couch, flick it on right at seven thirty, and uh, you know, Rager has a subpar return on the kickoff and, and lo and behold, here comes Joe Flacco out with the first team. I'm just like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to get up and do something else tonight because I'm not really interested in watching this whatsoever. So didn't, didn't catch a lot of it. Obviously the whole hurt situation we can get into, but I, I don't know if you had any, any thoughts on the game. I did see Flacco's, uh, I don't know if he botched the snap or if somebody snapped it over his head, but, that that poor fella ain't the, the most athletic guy anymore. That was kind of sad to watch. No, I mean, same kind of thing for us. I mean, I'm down the shore, and we ordered up Hank sauce and had 40 wings ready to go. You know, kickoff coming. All of a sudden, next thing you know, uh, you know, elite, elite Joe Flacco is running out there. And I think, yeah, it was play two or play three where a ball snapped over his head. And he doesn't lay on it. No, he, he doesn't. he doesn't just hop on the ball. He tries to pick it up. And then throw it, and then he get he gets stripped. I mean, just total joke. And then and then for the Eagles to come out 
I mean, it was like outrageous what the what they pulled. I mean, to say we sent him to a hospital where he was diagnosed with a stomach infection. I've never heard that in my life ever. A stomach infection. When's the last time you heard an athlete diagnosed with a stomach infection? Not a bug. Not, oh, he had food poisoning. A stomach infection? There was something fishy going on. And it wasn't something Jalen Hurts ate. I'll just say that. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really bizarre because he, you know, after the fact, you, you realize that he took warm-ups and looked like he was ready ready to hit the field and, and play and whatnot. And then they're talking about this stomach issue, and they sent him to the hospital. I mean, so— I call you, bullshit on that. So I'm I'm kind of thinking that too. Like, I mean, if you if you have a stomach bug or, or or something like, I don't think you need to go to the hospital. But when I first heard it, I was like, all right, well they sent him to the hospital, so maybe it's something serious. But then, and and I don't know if you can confirm for me, but I heard that he was like on the sideline in the second half, like yucking it up and, and laughing with the teammates. So in what world do you go from needing to go to the hospital to back on the sideline? Uh, later in the game, like laughing, laughing with your teammates, like that. Just the story seems completely fabricated, and I don't know if if there's you know overreach from from Jeffrey and Howie already over Sirianni, but just feels really weird. Um, but I think Hertz was back at practice like in full yesterday, Sunday. Um, so at least we got that going for us because I I've I said the people after watching two minutes of Joe Flacco. I was like, if if we have to watch Joe Flacco this year and not Hurts, I don't even think I can watch it. Well, I just I can't even fathom. I can't even fathom that. I mean, I'm just trying to put that out of my head to even think that, like, Joe Flacco would be starting multiple games for the I – mean, different story if you come in in a pinch play quarter, but you just can't even think that way. I mean, the, you know, it's just – it's just I think the Eagles, like, they totally – it's part of this like idea that these joint practices, like if you win, win the day on like Monday and Tuesday, that like the game is meaningless. And you see it from these beat reporters, these guys who, you know, couldn't spell football if it hit them, you know, on the side of the head. And they never played it. They, uh, you know, majored in, um, you know, some nonsense in college. And then all of a sudden they land into a major city talking about sports and all they do is they talk about statistics. They talk about how great this guy looked against the Patriots in practice. And it's like the game doesn't matter. Well, you know, hold on a second here. They're still charging the fans money to come down and watch that horse shit. And in my opinion, for them to rest all of their guys and say, you know what, guys, take the night off. We had a great week of practice while still charging 40 bucks to park your damn car down there. And charging the season ticket holders 110, 130, 200 bucks, whatever it is, every game's the same for preseason games that they either give away or sell on StubHub for like pennies on the dollar is borderline criminal. Yeah. And don't forget that you're getting popped for uh, 16 bucks a beer or whatever it is down there and, and 10 bucks for, for a dry, lukewarm, soft pretzel and whatnot. It is a disgrace. That's a good point that you make. But is that uh, 
is that why you think that the starters didn't play? It was because they they had a good week of practice as some sort of reward? Is that is that the gist you got? Well, that's what some of the beat reporters seem to think. They seem to think that oh, you had a great day on Tuesday. It doesn't matter what you do in the context of a televised preseason game. Um, I, I don't know if that was the thinking of the team. You know, I, I think this team is so short-sighted that they probably think that by holding back their guys and, you know, not playing anybody, that they'll have some sort of an advantage week one against Atlanta. I mean, which is, like, totally BS. Like, you know, I, these teams will take a half to figure out what the Eagles are doing. So, you know, all right, you hold the guys back and, and totally bend your fans over for a half where you might be able to surprise the freaking – Shitty ass Atlanta Falcons. I mean, by all means, do that. But yeah, I, I don't know the thinking. I don't know how you sit your entire D line. You know, they looked awful, and those are guys that are gonna supposed to be. They're supposed to be in the rotation. Um, I thought they looked bad. Meanwhile, you got like your most one of your most important players is playing like every freaking play. You got Singleton out there, who's like your only linebacker that even has a pulse, and he's playing special teams. He's playing in the third quarter. He's playing and he's starting the game. I mean, the guy's flying around tackling everybody, but every high-paid player that you're relying on for this team just decides to take a night off. I don't understand it. I think it's okay to to sit like your your Brookses and your Lane Johnsons and your Grams and Fletcher Cox and whatnot. Like those guys are on the interior and and they're seasoned. They they know what their job is. They know how to play right. Um, but we have we have a, a second year quarterback. This is his first like you know preseason and. You know, you got off-season work, OTAs, all that stuff, which you didn't get as a rookie. We have Devonta Smith. Obviously, he played, but he didn't play with Hurts. And, you know, all of our other receivers, not great. Um, I know everybody's, like, kind of high on Kez Watkins because he ran a five-yard dump to the house. You know, those second-rate, like, preseason announcers for the Eagles, when Kez took that to the house, they were like, oh, he looks like Tyreek Hill. It's like, oh my gosh, dude! It's it's preseason game one. It's Joe Flacco. It's like, it's like watching Pop Warner, like want the fastest kid in Pop Warner, get chased by a bunch of little slow kids. Like, it's just ridiculous. But the other point I wanted to make was I'm watching Hard Knocks, and and I think you are too. But you know that they're zeroing in on on Micah Parsons a little bit, and when he comes off the field, he's having calls with like the D coordinator up in the booth. And the D coordinator's like telling him, now nah, you're done for the night, right? Like, played a couple series, made a couple plays, got some work in. Like, you're done. Parsons is, is like, bitching the whole time. Like, put me back in. Put me back in. Meanwhile, our coaches don't want to put anybody in or get work for anybody. They just want to give them the night off. So, I'm curious to see what happens with preseason game three because preseason game one, I think the first team offense played – two series or Hertz played two series and that was two without series. that was without Devonta Smith and then game two on offense I mean who was out there that starts Kelsey and Miles Sanders maybe got like a couple carries and that was about it but like you, I don't even think Kelsey played I no? think I think Herbig started at center um I thought I saw Kelsey out there but regardless he might have been suited up, but I, I, I think the first snap was her big, right? So, but yeah, no, I mean, look, Rager played, right? I, I've seen enough. I've seen enough of this guy. I've seen enough to know he's a stiff. What, um, what, what do you mean? He's making one-handed catches in the, uh, the scrimmage with the Patriots. That's, that's exact, exactly my point. We, we've seen like, I've seen more footage 
This guy, this guy played last year, and I, I admittedly he was nicked up, he was dinged up. All right, I get it. I've seen more footage of this guy's one catch in a drill against one on one against a, a Patriot that they probably ran twenty freaking times before he pulled it down with one hand. You know, I, and people talking about it like it's oh, it's better than the Odell Beckham Jr. catch. Are you oh fucking God. kidding me? It's practice. Where's Alan Iverson? <laughs> We're talking about practice, dude. You're not kidding, man. It is, it is bad. We like between the preseason and the practice, you know, hyping up Rager, hyping up Kez Watkins, and and I actually, I don't mean to shit on Kez. Like I think he's he had some nice moments, you know, later in the year last year. But like we're pumping up all this stuff from practice and preseason, and then we're gonna get to the regular season, and and the only guy that's ever gonna be open is is Devonta Smith. By the way, he looks great. I mean, like, uh, I'm a little fearful of his size, but I mean, his ability to get off the line of scrimmage, I was, that's what I was watching, you know, last, uh, last game, just, just literally just watching him every single play because, you know, the quarterback, Flacco's not going to be able to get it to him on time. So you just watch him, see if he can get off the press coverage. And I've watched enough years of, uh, Todd Pinkston and James Thrash to know a receiver who can't get off press coverage. Um, and this is a guy who can't. So excited about that. Yeah, he he certainly showcased that on. I think it was like that third down, and he cut toward the inside, and then made like an out route out of it, and and left the guy in the dust. So not worried about him. Definitely share the concern about his size, and you know if he got popped going over the middle or something. But he's really quick, and obviously he's smart enough, and. I don't. I don't think it should be too big of a concern, but just hope that hope that he can make some plays because I'm not. I'm not confident in in the other receivers, especially with the lack the lack of preparation. I mean, that's what I was going to get to to kind of round this out. Was like, what do you expect for for preseason game three? I mean, are we going to run a, a dress rehearsal or are we just going to? Throw out the second, third team, and fringe roster guys to to see what the what the final fifty three man roster is going to be. Or are we going to try to actually get ready for week one? I think that I'd be shocked if Hurts plays more than a series. I don't think he's going to play. Really? I I think this new regime is so. I mean, you think about it, right? Like the Eagles are so heavily into analytics, and you know that. Whether Sirianni likes it or not, he's going to be forced to accept, you know, some of the analytical things that are pushed to him from management. And one of which I think could very well be this whole concept that you don't play your players in preseason because you do not want them to get hurt, which is which is great, I think, for a. A veteran team and maybe you pick your spots and, and you know what maybe maybe they're thinking all right like <clears throat> we don't want we don't want lane johnson and, and um and brandon brooks to get injured so we're not going to play them so maybe they look at it and say all right we're not we're not playing our, our two best offensive linemen we're not gonna play kelsey so then why and why in the world would we put our new quarterback back there all right okay i can kind of understand that but <clears throat> i think he i think he needs he needs to work on um, the things that occur over the course of the game, timing, sp- the speed of the game, you know, getting 
getting plays in, time management, getting hit right in, in not in a, in a non-red jersey. I mean, um, you know, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's like a happy medium you can have. Clearly, you don't want to get one of your offensive linemen dinged up or knocked out for a year, getting rolled up or some nonsense like that. But I don't think you should be putting them in bubble wrap and, and leaving basically putting them in bubble wrap and then deciding, like, oh, you know what? We don't we don't care if it's to the detriment of our quarterback. Like we're, we're going to protect our O-line. Yeah. And you think you could you, you could sit those guys and run like enough safe stuff in a few series in a preseason game to let Hertz get some work in. Like I, I can kind of completely agree to, to rest the starters on the O-line because they're going to make or break the season. So let's not lose them before it even starts. But get Hurts in there. Just don't don't call any plays where he's rolling out to his left side and is going to get like truck sticked. Just drop back, tell him to throw it away. Like he's a smart enough football player. He's not going to get killed, but he needs to get a little work in. And I thought you were talking about Sirianni for a sec, but like that's another thing too. You need to have a few series between Sirianni and Hurts. And I don't know if Sirianni's calling the plays or, or the offensive coordinator, but just getting plays in, getting lined up, like. All this stuff that we haven't been very good at, like for a long time. Like, can we at least iron out some of those kinks? So, I guess we'll see the uh, see the results of of these decisions uh, down the. I'll flight. tell you, you'll you'll see it early. You'll see you'll see the results of these decisions early. Burning they're timeouts gonna, in the first quarter. They're going to be in Atlanta in that dome, right? Which maybe they have the roof open during you know due to COVID. But, uh, I mean, the Eagles never do well on the road in a dome. They're always burning timeouts. They're always coming out of the huddle late, getting pl- and the plays aren't getting in right. Exactly. Um, I mean, they go to a uh, silent count and guys are jumping off sides. Are we practicing it? I mean, can ESP tell me how they look with a silent count? I mean, does this guy who charts every freaking – uh, dump off and dump in the toilet that Jalen Hurts has during training camp. Can this guy tell me whether or not they practice the silent count and how they look? I mean, this guy doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. Yeah, we shall see, man. But yeah, I feel like we we notoriously look underprepared in like hostile environments and with a with a young quarterback, a new coach, like not getting that repertoire established in the preseason is probably not going to help help the cause when when uh you know they're going nuts in atlanta in in a few weeks here exactly i mean jalen hurts is used to playing down there when uh the entire you know half of the stadium is uh uh, crimson and they're they're waving the pom-poms and you're up by 40 at halftime (laughs) in the sec championship game but when everyone else is wearing red and you're wearing green it ain't it ain't so easy, my friend. No. Yeah, you're right. All right, so let's let's round it out and get back to to the guys in the the red pinstripes. Uh our fight in Philadelphia Phillies. Uh the last time we were with Bomb. I think we were in first place. We were feeling good. And then we lost two or three of the Dodgers. We lost two of three to the Reds. Uh, we suffered a three-game sweep at one of the bottom dwellers of the MLB in the Diamondbacks. And then we came – I think we – no, we were still out west. And we took two or three from the Padres, who are pretty good. So I don't know what to think of this team. I mean, I'm 
I'm out. I mean, the Braves are red hot. They're nine and one in their last ten. We're five games out in the East. We're five games out, I believe, in the wild card. And two weeks ago, we were in first place. So if it can if it can go bad that fast, and and the gap gets that big, I'm I'm not hitting the panic button, but I'm just I was about to be in a few weeks ago. I'm out. I am out on the Phillies. I was never in. I'm never going to be in. I'm still out. The only thing I want you to do as the host and producer of this show is to insert the audio from my man, Denny Green. That's all I need you to do. They are who we thought they were. But they are who we thought they were. They stink, okay? And to to get swept by the Diamondbacks is a disgrace. But then I'm watching this game the other night. Where you got Nola, and by the way, they're making a big thing about his brother. Oh, his brother play. Oh, he, like it's the only pitcher who's ever played against his brother. I mean, it's the major freaking leagues. I mean, how many times do we see that? You got the Giambi brothers. You got all these brothers. We always have the bum. At least in this case, we have the guy who's the better brother. So you got this guy, Nola, who's throwing a freaking no hitter. You got Brad Miller booting a ball to, to uh, I should say, a perfect game. He's throwing a perfect game. You got Brad Miller booting a ball to break up the perfect game. He's throwing a one-hitter in the ninth inning, up 3-1, 117 pitches. Can someone explain to me, the minute there's a a runner on base, how the guy who's got the quickest hook in the league with the worst bullpen, Joe Girardi, how he sits in the dugout and watches that. That was malpractice, okay? He sat there and watched him give up that home run to Cronenworth. And by the way, Jankowski almost robbed it. I mean, that guy like went up into the air. It was incredible that the the effort he gave. But to to throw a one hitter, now a two hitter, and leave that game with a no decision is malpractice. And that's on the part of your manager. I mean, think about the types of things that we need Nola to do as as we head into the stretch run. We want that guy to go out with confidence and throw the heck out of the ball and throw that two seamer and sinker like he threw the other night. And he left the mound in, like, the worst possible way. I mean, what are we doing here? And then that guy, uh, Nappy Boy, they call him. Nappy Boy is his, is his handle, I believe, on all the social media. This guy is hitting a buck fifty. How is he in the big leagues? <laughs> it's like the only thing he does well, and I've noticed, the only thing he does well is grab the hat and put it on the guy who hits the home run. That's what he does. He grabs the hat that they sell in the pro shop, the big sombrero, and he puts it on the guy who hits the home run. That's what this guy contributes to the fucking team. I've never seen a catcher who not only calls awful games, the NOLA game uh, notwithstanding, but typically calls awful games. He can't hit, and he's a butcher behind the plate. He can't block. He can't throw anybody out. I I realize you're paying a lot of money to Real Muto. I get it. Like You don't want to spend any more money in the catcher position. But this guy, Knapp, shouldn't be playing it like single way. I mean, this guy is awful. And is that is that why they lost that Nola game? Was that was that a pass ball or like a wild pitch? Oh, well, they scored a wild pitch. It was a it was a it was a fucking changeup. How was there a wild pitch changeup? I mean, unless it bounces on the grass, you need to be able to block a changeup. The other thing was earlier in that inning, they uh, they they caught a guy in a rundown, and the Padres runner ran to third, and the and the Phillies have a guy caught between third and home. Now Nap is a catcher. You got to know the game. He's got the guy in the rundown. There's already a guy on third. You run them back. You run the guy in the rundown back to third. 
and you tag both runners and, and the guy is out. Well, this fucking guy throws the ball to third. Okay. I don't know why he threw the ball to third. He look, I gotta, I'll, I'll send you the video. I mean, the guy was like so discombobulated. He had no clue, like the rules of the game, how to like approach uh, a rundown when there's a guy on the base that you're running the guy back to. He threw the ball to third and then the runner went back towards home. They, I mean, luckily they got the guy only for, uh, only for him to, uh, you know, give up the, uh, what they're calling a wild pitch. I'll call it pass ball. Give up the pass ball and the game. I mean, it was really pathetic. And the guy, I mean, he hit in college and supposedly hit in the minors. I mean, I've never seen a guy look more confused at the, at the plate, at the big league level. I mean, Nola's hitting what a buck 50. So is Nap. Yeah. Nola's got a couple of pokes. And you talk about the nap situation, like the rundown and, and how he threw it to third. You, you would think a professional baseball player would know to if you're not going to get the guy out, which uh, which it sounds like ultimately they did. You at least prevent him from from making an attempt to score and from scoring. Like just just get him back to third at worst case scenario. But he but he, he pulled the trigger early, it sounds like. And. The guy almost scored. They just I just feel like this team, whenever I, whenever I do watch them, they lack fundamentals they don't run the base as well they they don't do pickles well uh which you know we we did pickles in middle school baseball like you're you're getting paid hundreds of thousands or 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 millions of dollars to to do this and and they they don't they don't know the basics or you know they they lack the uh the integrity or, or the obedience to to execute the basics it's just all around i mean you know there's some talent that that we've seen and we, we've had nice runs and we have some some players having some nice years but the record shows it all they're just they're a mediocre team and that's that's what they're gonna be they are who we thought they were and that's that's it by the way i shouldn't be surprised that nap like flounders in the big moments of these games like you know the, the one out of ten games that he plays i shouldn't be surprised because i'm looking at his instagram now and uh Four posts to go, June thirteenth. He's rolling into uh, CBP in a Ben Simmons jersey. Oh no, that's his game day fit. Talk about a guy that comes up small and in big moments. Well, that's 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 a fitting match then. Yep. Cool. Well then. Uh... I guess we'll we'll wrap there and and we'll look forward to a little a little college football preview next week. I'm headed down to the Delaware beaches in Ocean City, Maryland this coming weekend for for a golf trip. Three rounds in three days. Uh, it's going to be a, a 54 hole beatdown that I'm going to receive from these courses down there. Um, but I'll, I'll be sure to report back and, and good times will be had and. We won't worry about the scores, but we'll see if we can build off the miracle at Monco. The miracle in Maryland doesn't have quite the same, you know, sound to it, does it? I think the only miracle down there would be breaking a hundred. I don't think I've done that in like the five years that I've gone on this trip. Wow. Speed golf. Think, I gotta sand, tell you something. Water. I think it's I think it's disgusting how you shoot an eighty and your cap comes down, and the minute I want to take you on and take your cash, you escape to resort-style golf to inflate the cap. I think that's total BS. 
Well, I knew that you, as soon as the cap came down, that's when you would want to play. I mean, I haven't played with him like probably three weeks. And well, now that I'm back from vacation, I got all the time in the world. I mean, can we play like Thursday? I think we get out one night this week, and and we'll we'll play it right <laughs> on the cap, and we'll see what happens. But I knew you'd come calling as soon as as soon as that cap shot down, just like you think <laughs> that I'm running. You're you're getting out of town. You're getting out of the region. Yeah. Well, I gotta go get my shoes, so. I'll be down there one night this week. <laughs> Hopefully you can meet me. All right. All right. Well, that does it. We'll catch uh, we'll catch everybody next week. Peace.